0: Well, hi everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Memoirs of a Movie Stand-In podcast. My name is Greg Anderson. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Well, I'm glad you could be here with us this morning, and uh, well, I like to talk about movies, so let's get right down to it. Now, if you have been listening to the other episodes of the podcast, then of course you know that I like to take this in chronological order. I've been telling the story of My work is a stand-in in in movies and television production, Uh, and at this point in the storytelling, I'm up to the year 1997, and this would be the spring of 1997, when I was working on the final episode of the season for Promised Land's first season. Uh, It was a two-part episode, so the story was pretty packed, uh, full of things... To consider, so they'd they'd set it up and tried to make references to some of the other things that had happened throughout the season. So what happens is the Green family, after the accident that they had gone through in the previous uh, episode, they had returned to Chicory Creek with Erasmus, their beloved Chicory Creek, and... uh, uh, Erasmus was, you know, their their best friend who wasn't always on the road with them. But uh, there they were, and so at the beginning of the episode, Erasmus and Josh are working on the the suburban, doing some body work, some bondo work, and getting it ready to uh, be uh, repainted and get back on the road. Uh, meantime, they're all gearing up for a wedding. So we have reference to the fact that Erasmus's daughter. Uh, adult daughter that we met in the pilot episode, uh, the one that was convinced to come back to Chicory Creek and be the town doctor. She is getting married, and they established that she'd been married once before, and so this was a remarriage, and her fiancé was uh, uh, also previously married, and he had two children. So she was going to become a stepmother and, uh, and a new wife, in this episode, so that's one of the plot lines we're following here, uh, and so we got Suzanne Douglas back. She played the part of uh, Rebecca Erasmus's daughter, and um, she, her, her last name was Cousins. So I guess you know from the marriage that she had been through. I don't know. It, it got a little confusing there for a while, but. Uh, uh i just straightened it all out when they explained that once well, she'd been married before there was also a reference to the fact that erasmus had repainted uh the bedroom and i don't remember why they threw that in there maybe because the bedroom the set we were using for the bedroom uh looked different from the one we used when we had delta burke on our uh thanksgiving episode. So they just it was a quick reference to wow you repainted the bedroom yes that's right josh Um, And so anyway, um, they're all there. They're all excited. It's kind of like spring break for the for the Green family. And uh, well, at the beginning of the episode, Nathaniel is um, just kind of playing around in the yard with a baseball and a catcher's mitt. And um, he and Russell comes back from the car parts store. And uh, Nathaniel throws a ball at him and says, here, catch. Russell's not ready to catch, and the ball just kind of jams his finger. And uh, so Russell's got a little bit of an injury there on his hand, and then uh, Nathaniel, still playing with the ball, the ball rolls under the car, that, it's Erasmus's car, that they had just used to go to the car parts store. And so when Nathaniel reaches down to grab the ball that went under the car, uh, he rubs his uh, hand against, or his uh, forearm, Rather, against the exhaust pipe of the car, which is still hot, and he burns himself, so uh, the very beginning of the episode, Russell's injured. Nathaniel has a burn on his arm, and they're dressing the, the wound inside the house, uh, uh, both, both wounds. <laughs> and, uh, and Russell and Claire, with Nathaniel, have a little scene together in which they say, "Well, you know, maybe this will ruin our plans." And Nathaniel's like, "What plans?" Well, and then they reveal the fact that they had signed up Nathaniel to play uh, Little League Baseball. And Nathaniel is so excited. No, 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 this shouldn't ruin the plans. Let's go. No, let's, I, I still want to play b- baseball. This is fine. And then um, he kind of skips out of the room. I'm going to play baseball. I'm going to play baseball, <laughs> which uh <laughs> Uh you know, uh, Eddie Eddie Carr, who played the part of Nathaniel, he's a he's a fun-loving young lad at this point, and uh but still embarrassed about the task at hand as an actor that he had to skip around chanting this little I'm gonna play bass, but he thought, oh, that's so corny and stupid. But he did it anyway, the trooper that he was. And so <laughs> congratulations to Eddie Carr for doing that. But You know, like any kid growing up uh, at that age, he was like, you know, nine, I think by then, maybe. Yeah, he was a little self-conscious about (laughs) skipping around chanting. Um, So, okay, the story continues in the episode. And uh, by the way, all that stuff we did with Erasmus uh, at at the house, we, we again returned to Springville, Utah for the exteriors of Erasmus's house. And for the interiors, uh, the sets had been uh, reassembled back at our warehouse in uh, Salt Lake City. And so everything, uh, you know, fairly familiar for us at this point. Uh, then we go to a baseball diamond, a uh, little field out at, um, there's a park on the west side of Salt Lake City. And so we used that as our little baseball park. So a lot of running around. If you had to do the geography of this, you know, you wouldn't want to be living in uh, Springville and have to play Little League way up in Salt Lake City. But uh, we weren't. This was not a geography lesson, folks. This was (laughs) an episode of of Promised Land, so we could be creative with geography there. So, okay, um, Nathaniel goes to play baseball. They start out just playing catch between Nathaniel and Russell, when all of a sudden um, some other people show up. Uh, another boy who's going to play in the Little League team, and the coach turns out to be Alex. But Alex is a woman, and the woman played by Sharon Glass. Now, you may remember Sharon Glass from such roles as... Uh, well, she was in Cagney and Lacey. That was probably her most well-known role. But then just recently, she's uh, played a regular character in... Um, the show Burn Notice on the USA Network. So that was our Sharon Glass, And so this was uh, the first, uh, but not the only time I worked with, uh, with Sharon Glass on, on a show. So oh, she, was, she was a ball. She was just very nice and uh, very vivacious and fun to, to be around. So uh, Sharon and uh, Russell playing scenes together. Now, the, what happens is that uh, the character... Sharon Gless's character sees Russell and uh, he's a nice guy. He's about her age and she assumes that he's available because uh, there's just no mention made of having a wife. And maybe, now I'm not sure now, I'd have to go back and check carefully to see if maybe he took off the wedding ring and that was maybe part of having the injury on his hand. That That's maybe a plot point there that he took off his wedding ring because his finger was swollen or something or because it was bandaged up you couldn't see the wedding ring something like that so anyway Sharon glass's character just thinks that here's a guy he's so nice he's just uh and available and good looking and you know so they sort of uh, play on that angle and uh, Nathaniel picks up on the idea that it uh, looks like the baseball Little League coach has a crush on Uncle Russell. And so uh, a little bit later in, in, in one of the scenes, um, they're teasing Uncle Russell about that. And so Uncle Russell uh, says, well, you know, we'll, we'll take care of this. And he's, he's ready to take uh, uh, Nathaniel to a meeting. They're going to have a little party at the coach's house. Uh, all the boys getting together, you know, for punch and cookies and ice cream or whatever. They're going to have a little party. So Russell decides, well, he'll take Nathaniel to this party, and then that's when they'll straighten things out. But once he gets to the party, uh, he has a moment alone with Sharon Glass, and she talks about uh, her her other son. She, she, she okay, don't <laughs> get ahead of myself here. Uh, she's got a son on the on the little league team. But it turns out she had another son who died of cancer a few months earlier. So uh, while Russell is consoling her uh, about that uh, loss, uh, the other boys kind of see this from, they're they're outside the house and they see through the window that uh, here's Uncle Russell and their their coach kind of cuddling up together, which is really just supposed to be a consoling hug, but uh, because of you know, boys teasing each other and stuff. They they make the connection that, well, look, your uncle is flirting with her. And, and anyway, the boys get in a fight. Nathaniel's tired of being teased by one of the other boys. And so um, just a moment before Russell is uh, able to say, by the way, I'm married, they have to go up outside and, and break up this fight between the boys. And Nathaniel has broken the nose and bloodied the nose of uh, one of the other one of the other boys, so <laughs> this leads to a moment at a uh, at a hospital emergency room they 're in the waiting room they 've taken the boy to the hospital and uh, to get his nose checked out and Nathaniel is uh, sulking over by the window and will not talk about what happened, so the two adults are just kind of very. You know, concerned about this. And uh, at one point, um, Sharon Glass's character asks Russell, how, "How often does Nathaniel have these kinds of outbursts?" And uh, Russell's kind of like, "What do you mean?" That sounds like a social worker question. And it turns out she is a social worker in addition to being a Little League coach. And so, right about then, the irate parents of the boy who got the broken nose come in, and they start uh, making accusations against Russell. And you know, sounds like there's going to be a lawsuit or whatever. And they say, "Well, we know about you Greens. We know that you and your wife are just traipsing all over the country with the, with the, your your kids, and this is not a stable environment for kids. And no wonder Nathaniel's such a problem." At which point Sharon Glass is very uh, embarrassed because why didn't you tell me you were married? And so it turns into this little, you know, thing there. And, <laughs> and she slaps Russell. Well, anyway, um, next thing you know, the, um, the authorities get involved because the, uh, the parents of the injured boy are good friends with a judge. And so they order Nathaniel to go to uh, talk to uh, uh, some sort of uh, child psychologist and be evaluated. And so it's all starting to look pretty, you know, some despair there for the Green family. And so um, this is when Nathaniel, in talking to the child psychologist, uh, has no no inhibitions about talking about what has happened to the family. So he starts talking about, yeah, we're on the road, and, you know, my father's in the CIA, and, and we see angels, and, uh, you know, my mother was killed when a lightning bolt hit the camper, and I was out in the camper by myself, and then and my mother was inside but she came out to rescue me, and then she died, and, you know, we had the angels, and then the angels took Josh... And Josh was shot and he was blind. And, you know, it's all starting to turn into this crazy story that uh, does not look good for the Green family. What kind of life are they giving these kids? And so since they're not the official legal guardians of uh, Nathaniel, apparently at this point, it just gets them into a lot of hot water. So part one ends with Nathaniel being taken away and uh, he's going to spend the night uh, with the Little League coach and her son. Uh, rather than just go to some random foster home. And uh, the Green family is all very much in despair over this. Now, um, because this was a two-part episode, and uh, both halves of the episode were directed by the same director and had the same assistant director working, um, we were able to jumble up the schedule a little bit. So we were able to, uh, you know, rather than two eight-day schedules to finish you know 2 hours of television i think they were able to consolidate it to uh just a one big long uh, 14 day uh schedule to do the two episodes i think that's how they did it if i remember how they did that <laughs> so um yeah so for all i know we did all the chicory creek stuff early in the uh, in the schedule and so we may have done this you know dramatic little moment where the where the first part ends you know, somewhere in their first couple of days of working on the episode. I don't really remember how we did that. But, it, you know, out of sequence, it's, it's the Hollywood way. And so we had some fun uh, shooting out of sequence. Now, uh, I wanted to just mention in passing here, um, in, in the whole first season of Promised Land, you know, you had three uh, kids on the show. Uh, Josh, Dinah, and Nathaniel were the characters. Uh, Josh, you know, he's about 15 years old and kind of, you know, almost a troubled teen. But deep inside, he's really never going to do anything too bad. He's a good kid. Uh, Dinah, just uh, becoming a teenager and uh, just having the moodiness maybe involved in a girl growing up. Uh, And then Nathaniel, still young enough to just be naive and cute, And uh, they seemed to play this up a lot, as as if the writers really enjoyed writing stuff for Nathaniel to do. And a lot of episodes centered on Nathaniel uh, more than the other kids, and sometimes a lot more. I mean, a whole episode could just kind of be built around Nathaniel. And so this was, again, that happening, Nathaniel (laughs) taking the spotlight, Um, but also to the point where... uh, the other kids were just hardly there. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll bet uh, I'll bet Austin O'Brien playing Josh had less than ten lines of dialogue, and probably um, uh, Sarah, who played uh, the part of Dinah, probably had you know, less than eight lines of dialogue. <laughs> it was just, and then the two kids they had playing the uh, the stepchildren um, you know, after the wedding, okay, you know, um, the character Rebecca was going to have these two as her stepchildren. So they showed up and, uh, one of the characters, um, the boy who was probably, you know, about 14 years old, uh, in, in the storyline, he was just being a pest. He was not at all happy about, uh, you know, uh, his dad remarrying, and here's this other woman that's going to try to replace his mother. so he's just being a moody pest about things, and he's making frank phone calls to his future stepmother's pager and just really kind of terrorizing uh, them, and they' just being very, very obnoxious and rude and you know stuff whenever he's talking to, uh, to this future stepmother. And then the other future stepchild is a daughter. And uh, this was interesting because now this was about April of 1997. We were making this episode. And the, the young actress who played the daughter, uh, her real name is Vanessa Lee Chester. I think, I think I'll have to, I'll put a link in the show notes. So those of you, you know, you can go check that later find the exact reference there. But the bottom line is, uh, you probably haven't heard that name, or you, you're not sure who I'm talking about when I talk about this young actress that we had on the show. But you you probably saw her in a movie called The Lost World Jurassic Park. It was the sequel to Jurassic Park, um, which came out, oh, probably, you know, maybe a month after we finished working on this episode. So, so... That means our young actress that was with us had already worked on the sequel to Jurassic Park, had already been in this Spielberg movie, then came to work with us, and we really didn't know who she was, and it's not like she was going around bragging, I was just in a Spielberg movie. You know, for us, she was just another young actress with a small role in the show. Uh, and then just weeks later, suddenly, well, there she is with a big, prominent role <laughs> In this Spielberg Jurassic park sequel, so uh that was kind of impressive although uh, you know it, it, impressive that she didn't draw a lot of attention to herself when she was working with us um and she didn't have a very big role and you know she didn't she wasn't you know big headed or anything but i am a little disappointed that i didn't i didn't realize you know we've got a, a little you know movie star here with us let's uh let's all you know. Butter up to, to or something uh well, anyway, uh so that's okay, so that's how part uh one of the episode ended. Now, again, we were mainly just shooting around Springville and uh also in um, our studio back a- at the warehouse in Salt Lake, and also this one uh, uh, baseball diamond. So those are the major locations of the episode. And then in part two, what happens is, um, well, we find out that Sharon Glass's son, who passed away, he had cancer. And as a parent, uh, she just felt really guilty about that and uh, wondered if there was anything else she should have been doing to help the child. And she sort of blames herself for not getting medical attention in time and, you know, all these what ifs. And so um, the the other son, who did not die, sort of has the impression that, yeah, it's my mother's fault that my brother died. And so he doesn't really get along with his mother very well. He doesn't like her. He, he talks back to her, and, you know, it's all kind of ugly. And so he says, well, he'd like to run away. And Nathaniel, so this is the two boys, you know, just kind of in the bedroom uh, talking when they should be sleeping. And they, they conjure up a plan to run away together, and, uh, and you know one boy's like, where where do we go? And Nathaniel says, well, I have an aunt Mooster who's a hundred years old. Let's go, let's go, be with her. <laughs> so the kid says, oh, okay okay that sounds good to me and so uh, they devise a plan to buy airline tickets and go but nathaniel can't necessarily remember exactly where aunt mooster lives he says she's out west somewhere utah colorado something like that (laughs) so uh the boys devise a plot to use mom's credit card to buy airline tickets over the phone um, and then to sneak on to the airplane by just sort of finding another family with kids their age and, uh, and therefore no one's going to question them boarding the plane with this other family and next thing you know they're, they're in Salt Lake City. <laughs> and this is the first time on the Promised Land series that we actually acknowledged that we were working in Salt Lake City. Uh, that we had a scene that actually took place in Salt Lake City. Uh, and mostly we were at the airport. Now, the problem with that is we were using a part of the airport that's kind of the international terminal that most travelers probably had not really been through that part of the airport at that time. It was sort of a new terminal, which is part of the reason we were able to, to film there, because it wasn't really busy. Uh, so here we were. Again, we acknowledge we 're in Salt Lake City uh, and and we go to a place that doesn 't really look like Salt Lake City, <laughs> even though it really was so um, well that 's kind of fun. Uh, I think we did the airport scenes on our very last day of production uh, for the whole season. so it was bittersweet because you know we 'd been working a lot, so it was nice to know that we were going to get a break. but on the other hand, we didn't know for sure if the show was going to be back for another season. We had a pretty good idea, but they hadn't told us for sure that we would be coming back another season. We had to wait until the official CBS lineup was announced, and it was going to be a couple of weeks after we were going to wrap up our, our job for the season. So that was a little bit hard, because, especially if you consider the rivalry between Promised Land and Touched by an Angel. Touched by an Angel being such a popular show, I think they had already announced months earlier that they were going to be back the following season. But they waited and they didn't tell us until it was officially announced to the entire public. So uh, so there we were at the airport, not knowing whether or not for sure we would be back. Um, but it was, it was nice to be working that day. In fact, I think that I didn't actually... Uh, have anything to do that day as a stand-in because Gerald McRaney was not in any any of the airport scenes. But I came and I worked as an extra that day. So uh, I had grown a mustache so I could work as a stand-in and be a better match. And I was relieved to shave my mustache (laughs) and go to work on that final day of the season, even though I was just an extra. It was nice to be with the crew and have some fun. and, and, uh, And then say goodbye for the season. Um, I'll just acknowledge the rest of the story anyway, since it was filmed out of sequence. Um, but what happened was that uh, Russell and Sharon Gles's character, they end up going to Salt Lake City to retrieve the boys. Um, the the son of Sharon Gless is very belligerent about it. He doesn't want to go with her. He says, I hate you, mom, you know, stuff like that. And so uh, she is just devastated this, but uh, Russell consoles her a little bit, and, uh, well, the next day, um, they they go to pick up the boys, and, uh, oh, and by the way, in the consoling, I should mention, you know, nothing, <laughs> nothing, uh, you know, happens uh, uh, that way, you know, they just, they go their separate ways, and then, uh, you know, meet up again in the morning when it's time to pick the boys up, okay, don't, uh, you know, come on, this is promised land, family show, all right, so, um, and, you know, it's it looks like, oh, they're finally going to resolve the situation between uh, mother and child, and, you know, so that's good. So the Greens did their their good deed for, uh, for somebody. Um, Russell and Nathaniel are able to take off and go back to Chickory Creek just in time to make it to the wedding. Uh, meanwhile, Josh has caught the future stepson in his uh, phone pranks, and so Josh sort of... Uh, Helps him to see the light and uh, not treat his future stepmother so badly. Dinah again has almost nothing to do. <laughs> I don't know. I, I felt bad for the other stand-ins because you know when you're the stand-in for Dinah and she's only in you know three scenes, you kind of like well gee you know so you get a early hiatus there and unpaid some unpaid days off you know while the stand-in for Nathaniel well, you know, working all the time. <laughs> so anyway um, yeah that's, that's basically the storyline there now they did have to portray the, uh, the interior of the church um, which again they used the church um, that was just across the street from the house we were using as Erasmus's house and also they needed to portray the Salt Lake City um, police station so they had some some steps uh, for the exterior uh, leading up to a, a doorway that had the sign above it that said Salt Lake City Police Station, which wasn't really the Salt Lake City Police Station. It was the uh, the VA Hospital, one of the uh, one of the back doors uh, entrances to the to the VA Hospital. They put a sign up above it and. And then the interior of the uh, Salt Lake Police Department was actually just a, a kind of a, an empty office they found in Springville. So, uh, yeah, that's all there. So, OK, one full season of working on a TV series under my belt. I was uh, I was actually pleased to acknowledge that I'd worked on every episode. Now, not every single day. There were days when they didn't need me, but I had done Something And usually at least six days. Um, well, usually all eight days, but uh, rarely any, any fewer than seven days on any given episode. So I was a busy stand-in working on every episode of, uh, of the season for this uh, Promised Land television show. So that was great. I was a little exhausted after working all those long hours for that many consecutive weeks. Uh, so it was nice to have the idea that, you know, I'm going to have some time off now, and now I can kind of get caught up on all the yard work and, you know, spring cleaning and whatever else I've been neglecting for for the last several months because I was too tired. But, um, yeah, so time for a little break. What they call hiatus in the, uh, in the TV industry. Well, hiatus, I guess, if you know you're coming back again, um, you know, that's not just a pure old cancellation. <laughs> but... That's, uh, that's what I was facing. Oh, what am I going to do during hiatus? Well, I guess I'll do all that yard work and stuff. Uh, one thing that I, I wasn't really worried about was maybe getting a, a summer job, you know, with the idea that, okay, we were wrapping up the end of April, and we were likely to come back in the middle of July. So I'd have, you know, two, two and a half months off with nothing to do, which would be fine. You know, I had some money saved up. Uh, But what if I wanted to do something during that time? I really wasn't worried about it. And then I got a phone call uh, offering me a job as a stand-in on a made-for-TV movie, which was made during our hiatus uh, between the first and second seasons of Promised Land. So uh, maybe I'll tell you about that a story that's not a promised land story coming up on the next uh, episode of the Memoirs of a Movie Stand-In podcast. All right, so uh, thanks for everyone. Thanks. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening, and I will have another podcast. Uh, I put out the new episodes on uh, Thursday evenings at 8, 7 Central, and you can look for those at utahstandin.blogspot.com. Subscribe in iTunes if you want. Then the stand-in podcasts are delivered right to your computer, you know, automatically. Uh, And if you want to send me any feedback, email, friendly messages, you know, job offers, (laughs) my email address is uh, moviestandin at gmail.com. So, all right, there you go. We'll see you next time on the Memoirs of a Movie Stand-In Podcast.